Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the latest edition of the Giants Beat Podcast. I'm Alex Simmons, and I'm once again joined by my co-host, David Bloodstein, for our second podcast together. And David, it's nice to have you on again, man. It's nice to be here. It's a shame we're doing it so early in the morning, but you know what? Let's get the football content started off early in the morning, where we all have a fresh thought about the NFL draft, prospects, and New York football giants. Absolutely, I agree. And with a little over a week to go, plenty has changed since the last time we discussed the NFL draft. And over the next half hour or so, David and I will break down which players have seen their stocks rise and fall, and we'll make our final predictions for who the Giants will select in the draft, including predictions mainly for the first three rounds for Big Blue and maybe more if we have time. But uh, so, David, let's get started. Um, As is the case every year, you know, the month between the combine and draft day has been full of rising and falling draft stocks for numerous players. And what players specifically, you know, have you noticed that have had their stocks go up during this time? Okay, so I want to talk about two players specifically. I want to talk about linebacker Zach Cunningham from Vanderbilt and Obi Melaflawu, defensive back from Connecticut. Uh, Cunningham from Vanderbilt, he is a linebacker. He has proven to be, quote-unquote, a physical toolbox. Uh, they have said that he's going to take this production to the next level, and most people now view him as a late first-round pick and possibly an early second-round pick as well. Depends. I think he might sneak in there into the late 20s, 25, 26, 27. I would be shocked his name isn't called before the top 40. And Oban Melaflawu, the cornerback or defensive back from Connecticut, he is 6'4", 224, Ran a 4-4 at the combine, had a 44-inch vertical. Some team is going to take him in the first round. I would be shocked if he didn't fall in there because you have a player like that with that much physical assets available to him. Some defensive coordinator is going to fall in love, and he's going to beg his, his organization to take him. And I think he is a day-one pick, Absolutely. Yeah, actually, I have to agree with you with Zach Cunningham. I remember mentioning him as the sleeper pick, I think, during the last podcast we did. And, you know, again, he's, he's you know, that playmaking machine with, you know, a great motor who, you know, wasn't really thought of too highly, you know, maybe a month and a half ago before the combine. But after that, you know, he started getting a lot more interest. I know he met with the Patriots. I know the Giants, you know, worked him out and stuff like that. But, you know, he's a guy that, as you said, he's was a mid to maybe late second-round guy. Now he's an early second-round guy, maybe a late first-round guy. And, you know, I think that if the Giants, you know, they don't have any offensive linemen available at the 23 spot in the first round or tight ends on the board that they want to pick and they feel are worth a first-round pick, they might go with Cunningham since he'll probably be, be, you know, the best available guy at that position. And they really don't have, like, that, you know, one-stud linebacker like, you know, Luke Peakley or someone like that that can be a huge difference maker. But uh, other than Cunningham, uh, who else uh, have you seen um, has had their stocks go up uh, in the last month or so? Uh, as I did say, uh, Obi Malafuawu, uh, uh, the defensive back from Connecticut, some team's going to take him. When you have a physical athlete as him, when he's 6'4", 224, and as I said, they run that 4'4 at the combine, some, some team's going to fall in love with him. He is projected to be a late first-round pick, early second-rounder. It wouldn't shock me if some team reached for him in the mid-teens. It would not truly shut. He will fall yeah. in love with this guy. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Players... With you. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's all right. It's you. Well, I, I was just saying. Um, another guy that 
I guess it's, I mean, it's really, you know, seen stock rise. I mean, exponentially. I would say Pat Mahomes, you know, quarterback out of Texas Tech. Um, I know he's worked mm-hmm. out for the Giants, and he kind of fits Ben McAdoo's West Coast offense. So um, they could either draft him. I think he's going to – I mean, I see projections of him going as high as, you know, 15 or 16 and as low as, you know, mid-second round. And, you know, I don't think the Giants necessarily would want to, you know, take him in the second round. Um, I think they have other needs, obviously, that they need to address that are more important. But, again, if they feel like he's Eli Manning's heir apparent, you know, I think they could try and trade up to get him. But, you know, this kid he's has an absolute can of an arm. He threw for over 5,000 yards. And uh, his touchdown-to-interception ratio last year was 41-10. to 10. And, you know, I know Texas Tech is this, you know, passer-friendly system, just like, you know, a Baylor and most of the Big 12 schools. But, you know, those numbers for me are just ridiculous. And he's a guy that I'm sure has gotten the attention of the Giant front office and coaching staff. And he's a guy that I don't know if they'll draft him, but his stock has definitely risen. And I'm sure the Giants are considering him now much more than they did, you know, a month ago. I agree with that. You know, quarterbacks are a very interesting uh, problem in the NFL. If you don't have a top 10 quarterback, top 15 quarterback, you have to be looking every single draft. And I remember last time we were talking about Mitchell Trubisky and how yeah. I, I thought there was a chance he might fall to the 20s. Now there's not even a possibility of that. I wouldn't be shocked if his name was called in the top five. And mm-hmm. teams fall in love with quarterbacks. They obviously will overdraft because of need. And because if you do hit that franchise quarterback, you go from a middle-of-the-road team to a playoff team. A playoff team goes to a Super Bowl contention team. And obviously, at that point, it matters significantly more. It, it all takes is one player, but you miss. You miss big, and it might cost you your job. So, you never know. If they believe Patrick Mahomes is the right guy, if he's there at 23, if they really want to take him, you never know. But there, there's also a chance that some other team might before then. So, it's a very interesting concept with quarterbacks. It's a very interesting concept, David, and we're going to move on here. So basically, you know, I asked you before, you know, what players whose uh, stocks have risen. Now I'm going to ask, you know, what are some of the players you've noticed that have had their draft stocks kind of plummet or at least fall slightly over the past few weeks? The number one player who I want to talk about, I actually have three right here. I want to talk about Jabril Peppers real quick from Michigan. The biggest question, and this, no matter who you are in the NFL, if you're an athlete, you will play. But the biggest issue with Peppers is where? He's somewhere between a linebacker and safety. I mean, we've seen um, Buchanan on the Cardinals kind of fit that role and Mark Barron very well on the Rams. But the problem is that's a first-round talent and and a late first-round talent, first-round pick, uh, second round. But if you don't know where you're going to play him, it's just a very strange thing, and teams are worried. And I don't blame them. If you have a supposition, it's going to be – it's going to be difficult to see where his impact is made. I think if he was two inches taller, we would see him in the top ten. But because of that, it's, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see where he falls now. But he definitely has fallen over the past month. David, we're on the same wavelength today. I'm uh, Jerome Peppers is the number one name I have, too. And it's a shame. He's a, he's a kid from this area. He went to a Paramus Catholic High School, which is, you know, in North Jersey. He was, I mean, a stud player. He was in the paper, you know, every week, you know. For um, his great play and everything like that, but he's an interesting case. Um, he's probably the most athletic player in the draft, like pound for pound, most athletic. Um, he's a track star as well in high school and could have ran track, uh, D1 track at you know pretty much any school. I know he had offers from a bunch of schools, but he's got you know. He, and again, the height's going to kill him, but also you know the the versatility kind of hurts him in a way. He never really you know settled into one position, so he doesn't have you know 
the statistics as a defensive back. I think he had one interception last year. You know, he doesn't have like you know the the, the stats at one position to really I guess bolster his his draft stock. But um, I think as a return man, he's valuable, and teams are really kind of I think you basing you know where they're going to draft him off of that because you know basically he's an unknown. I think you'll play him at a safety position um in the pros because he's you know a little small to play outside linebacker. Even though you know he could be a, a hybrid guy that can play down in the box occasionally. But um, I know I've heard the Redskins and the Cowboys are interested in him, which, you know, you know as a Giants fan, it's kind of, you know, scary because I know what this kid can do. But, again, he's a guy that people were high on uh, about midway through the season, towards the end of the season, you know, as a Heisman candidate and the guy that I thought would go in the top ten in this year's draft for sure. But he's looking more like a, a mid-to-late first-round pick. I agree with that entirely. Another player who I want to talk about real quickly, uh, wide receiver Corey Davis from Western Michigan. Uh, he had an ankle injury that silenced him for the combine and the pro day. And obviously the Giants don't need another wide receiver, but now he went from being a 10-12 to 12 pick to now possibly being there for the Eagles at 14 or the Redskins at 17, which obviously as a Giants fan, we don't want to see those teams get any stronger with uh, offensive talent. So it's interesting to see what he might fall off that ankle injury is going to end up helping our rivals or not. Um, also, real quickly, I want to touch on Delvin Cook from Paul State, running back. He's got a lot of injury history. He's got three shoulder, uh, three shoulder surgeries, I believe one on his right arm and two on his left. Uh, he has character issues as well, unfortunately, multiple arrests. And he might fall in the first round entirely. Um, he was projected first to be a mid to late first round pick. Now I'm seeing average at 27, possibly into the second round. You really don't know with running backs because they are so easy to find in terms of like an average quality player in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. He might fall there into the late second for all we know. It's very interesting to see what can happen. It's a shame about Dalvin Cook you bring that up. He's, I mean, he's right up there talent-wise and school-wise with, you know, the Leonard Fournette's and the Christian McCaffrey's who are probably going to be, I mean, Leonard Fournette's looking to be a top 10 pick and McCaffrey might not be far behind, but Dalvin Cook, another thing that that, re- that scouts are really kind of iffy on him is his ball security. I know, you know, as a running back, you're, you know, well, you're, you're one job at any position is to hold on to the ball if you're on offense, and, you know, not commit turnovers. But he's he's committed multiple turnovers in multiple games throughout his college career. And, you know, again, the, I think that's almost playing into more into um, scouts' decisions if they want to draft him or not or how high they have him on their on their draft boards, um, more so than his off-the-field issues. I know his off-the-field issues are – of course, awful, and you know you don't want your players to have that. But I think those are more correctable than his ball, um, than his ball security. Um, again, he's one of those guys that has you know home run speed. He can, once he gets breaks to the outside, you know he's gone. He's you know got great agility, pretty good size. He can run with power too. Um, and I, it's a shame because I do think he's right up there, if not you know better really than Fournette and McCaffrey, or at least during his college career. I think he showed us that he is better and he can you know play against the best teams and play well against the best teams, but um, he's a guy that his draft stock's fallen a little bit, but I still think he's, you know, you, you said, you know, maybe like 27, 28, late first round, I, I see that. And, you know, if he's there and the Giants want to draft, you know, the best available, maybe they go with him, but I really think, I mean, we'll get into this later, but I think they have to go offensive linemen. Um, but we're going to move on. We have to move on here. Um, time is <laughs> flying by this morning. Uh, so, David, uh as we enter the final week ahead of the draft, you know, who are the players to you that have kind of, you know, pretty remain, remain pretty much as is and, you know, right at the forefront of the conversation as possible first-round selections for the Giants? 
All right, so I have three players right here, two offensive linemen and one tight end. Let's talk about, first off, offensive tackle Ryan Rabsnick from Wisconsin. Uh, he can play – he's a true left tackle. He can keep Eli protected and upright. Uh, obviously, offensive linemen are not sexy picks. They're not the big name. But if it means Eli can play another season or two healthy and not worrying about his uh, blind side, I think Rabsnick is – a player who realistically could be there at 23 for the Giants. Another player who I looked at was Garrett Biles, Boyles, out of Utah. Uh, we need offensive linemen. You know, that's not a question. It just depends on where we're going to take him. Uh, I've read that this guy's very uh, talented. He's quick on his feet. Uh, he should help develop the run game for the Giants. And the, fa- the final guy I want to talk about is David Njaku from Miami. I actually wrote a scouting report about him. <clears throat> I think he has all the potential in the world. I think he comes in, he could be seen as a quote-unquote poor man's Vernon Davis, which is not an insult by any means. Vernon Davis was a physical was a physical th- uh, freak. I think he ran a 4-3-5, a 40. Njaku was obviously a little bit slower, but I think he can come in, uh, he can block fairly well, he can catch. Actually, no, I think he has an issue with catching, but he can learn. He has a lot of potential to learn, <laughs> and there's a lot of hope there for the Giants if he's there at 23. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of David Njoku. You said it's it's cute. The keyword there's issues there at 23. I mean, a lot of the you know the latest mock drafts I'm seeing has him going, you know, mid first round and you know pretty much right after OJ Howard. They're, 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 he's really kind of closed the gap between uh, himself and OJ Howard over the past few weeks. But for me, uh, the first guy, and I'm very high on this guy. I've written a bunch of scouting reports and things about him. Is Forrest Lamb out of Western Kentucky? Um, he's He's a guy that you know he's he's small. He's he's gonna he can play guard or tackle, but he's probably his size is probably gonna translate more to um, being a guard in the NFL. Um, again, I've already talked about him, but a bunch I remember in the last podcast, so I'm gonna just leave that out there. Uh, Wisconsin's Ryan Rams, like you said, Ramchek, excuse me. He just you know he was a 2016 All Big Ten and Associated Press All American. You know he's he's a guy that you know it, it's Wisconsin is offensive line university for a reason. You know, he's got sound fundamentals, you know, his low pad, pad level, he accelerates through his target, and he, you know, he can sustain his blocks, which is very important. And he plays kind of, you know, with this, I don't know, I guess you call it a sense of urgency to reach his blocks on time. And he's got good awareness, you know, of recognizing, you know, twists and blitzes and stunts like that that the defensive line and linebackers might pull. Um, and scouts compared to Joe Staley um, of the San Francisco 49ers, and that that's a pretty good comparison. Joe Staley is a, is a great player, and uh, I think Rams, Ramchick has the confidence and the athleticism to play a left tackle, and the, you know he has the ability to, to start right away. And then another guy that we're both good to agree on is Garrett Bowles. Um, he's kind of recently come up. Um, I think he was, you know, again I was high, I was really high on Cam Robinson um, last time we had a show, but um, I don't know. He's kind of you know you kind of you know, I haven't heard really much about Cam. I'm sure if he's there, the Giants will consider it, but. I'm a, I'm a big fan of um of uh, Garrett Bowles. He was you know he's he's a former JUCO player. Uh, he was in all Pac-12 uh, selection this year, um, and he's probably he's probably arguably I would I would say he's better than Cam Robinson. I think he's overall the best tackle in the class. He ran a four nine five in the forty, um, so he's fast. He's athletic. Um, you know he's got really smooth and effortless technique. Um, you know he's, he plays with this kind of like nasty mentality that you know scouts just really love to see in their players. And, you know, his combine weight was 297 pounds, which is a little small, but, you know, I, I assume with, you know, off-season workouts, he should beef up to around, you know, 315, maybe 320. 
and that's, you know, the way we're really accustomed to seeing tackles at. And I think he's a guy that – one of the few guys in the draft that's really NFL-ready. He could challenge Eric Flowers um, during a training camp and, and whatnot if the Giants choose to pick him, and if he's still there, of course. I agree with everything you said. You know what? Competition does breed uh, the best in players, and maybe Eric Flowers needs to see, all right, they're bringing in offensive talent, offensive linemen. I need to step up my game, and there could be a healthy competition there where the truly best player ends up starting and the Giants improve as a whole. So hopefully uh, if they do draft offensive linemen, either Flowers realizes that he has to come to play or whoever they draft is able to push him for that starting role. They get it, and at the end of the day, Eli Manning is protected better. That's what matters at the end of the day there. Exactly. And, again, one thing I want to bring up before we move on is guys like Ramchek and and, uh, and Bowles and now um, and also Forrest Lamp, they're guys that can play you know, both tackle and guard, and that's something that I think the Giants kind of – that versatility is something the Giants you know, really like in their offensive line. We saw last year multiple offensive linemen played multiple positions on the offensive line you know, all throughout the season, and a lot of that was due to injury, of course. But I think the fact that these guys can all – you know, play up and down the line, except maybe center um, if they can't snap the ball. I think that's important for the Giants and something they definitely will take into account uh, when picking at 23. Um, so we're going to move on, David. Um, you know, we talked about – we got into a little quarterback discussion earlier, um, and I know we talked about it last um, last podcast. And I know, you know, you, you, were, you were big on Mitchell Trubisky maybe falling in the first round of the Giants, you know, maybe – picking him up if, if they thought he was the heir apparent to Eli Manning. But, you know, Cleveland may have some similar ideas of uh, picking Trubisky first. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. But um, with Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Kaiser slated to go in the first round, most likely, maybe early second, um, and Patrick Mahomes getting, you know, a lot of attention, do you, do you think they'll, the Giants will try and trade up, you know, maybe right after their second pick uh, to, select the, to select their future quarterback? Because I don't think Mahomes is really – I, I thought he would fall to three at um, earlier, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but it looks like he's, you know, a, a mid to late second round pick at this point. I don't see the Giants uh, trading up for a quarterback. I see them taking a developmental quarterback. Uh, from what I read, Joshua Dobbs seems like he could be that mm-hmm. developmental type where he needs to come into a system for a year or two. He needs to see a quarterback, an established quarterback, work, uh, get into that mindset, get prepared mentally, physically, all that other. Stuff. He does have all the tools in the world, just refining him. Um, obviously, Eli Manning is not immortal. He's 36. One big hit will knock him out if, God forbid, that happens. The Giants do not want Geno Smith taking any snaps in their meaningful life. I recall saying that a lot uh, the last time we were alive. Uh, I, really, I do not want to see the Giants trade up for a quarterback, but if there is one there at the third, fourth, even fifth round, they believe could be either a stopgap an okay starter developed or anything. And they have to draft someone. I really do think so. Even if they bring in someone in the seventh round, you have to instill that giant mentality into a young quarterback. We have to begin to train our own for the eventual replacement of Eli Manning. So it wouldn't shock me if they drafted someone late. If they traded up, I would be I'd be astonished in all seriousness. Yeah, I agree with you, David. Um the you know, I, I don't think the Giants there's any shot they they draft a quarterback, at least in the first three rounds. You know, when, when he gets to four, five, six, you know, those, those later rounds, it's it's possible. But, you know, again, they have much bigger needs to address, you know, in terms of a tight end, offensive line, of course, and maybe a running back here or there. Um, but, you know, you, you mentioned Josh Dobbs is kind of like, you know, one of those guys that 
he's not he's not under the radar, but people know who he is. But he's you know one of those guys that could be a solid pick after the third round. But I'm I'm a I'm a kind of riding the Nate Peterman bandwagon. He's a quarterback out of Pittsburgh. You know, it's not a big guy. He's you know, six two, two twenty five, um, and a four eight two forty times. So he's not really incredibly fast, but he threw the ball uh, with incredible accuracy and speed during um, his Senior Bowl performance, and that's kind of where he initially opened the eyes of scouts. And you know he's he's pretty accurate again, as I said, sixty one percent, sixty one completion percent completion percentage. Excuse me, of his passes, he threw for just under three thousand yards uh, and twenty seven touchdowns to seven picks uh, last season. And you know, he's far from you know, being a starter, like, right out of the gate, of course. But, you know, behind Eli, you know, and kind of learning from Eli and things like that, he could develop into, you know, a decent quarterback in the future, and I think he's worth considering, you know, anywhere from the fourth to sixth round. I I agree. You, you never know. Quarterbacks are a funny thing. After that top five and, like, that hype and where people are like, oh, this quarterback will save our franchise – after those top five quarterbacks are taking their top six, seven, eight, you start to have tempered expectations. You're like, all right, we can train this guy. He can come in. There's no pressure. He's not going to take Eli Manning's job. You bring them in slowly, and you bring them along over a year or two, and then you see what they truly have. And whether it's whether it's any quarterback, you bring them in their system, you train them as your own, I think there is a chance for success. I really do. If you can take their strengths and their weaknesses and build an offense around them, you will have – a capable quarterback is my belief. <laughs> I agree with you, David. And uh, now, uh, at that point in the show, we're going to kind of give our our you know predictions, you know, set in stone predictions as to who the Giants will draft in the first three rounds. Um, and of course, we'll probably add you know maybe a likely sleeper pick that we think has a good chance of uh, being drafted by Big Blue. So, without further ado, who's uh, who's go- who are the Giants going to select uh, in the first round, in your opinion? All right, my official prediction, I think they take offensive tackle Garrett Bowles. We already talked about him. I will say it again. Offensive line is a priority. We have to keep Eli Manning protected. Um, I think Bowles falls to 23, and I think the Giants take him. And I think they're established at the tackle position for hopefully the next 10 to 12 seasons. That's my official pick. Yeah, I'm I'm going offensive lineman in the first round, too, but I'm going Forrest Lamp. Um I I would love David Njoku, but he's probably going to pick be picked before uh, the Giants pick at twenty three. You know, Forrest Lamp. He's as I was saying before, he's like kind of that versatile player um, that the Giants like to play multiple positions on the offensive line. Um, he's got great technique, and um, he's really just I think he's a guy that I've been you know high on this this whole draft season. I think it's either I think it's either him or Bulls. I think one of us is going to be correct. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who it is. But um, David, uh, who do you got in the second round? Do you think? You know, the Giants go with a tight end or a running back or another offensive lineman or who? I think they actually go best available defensive tackle. I'm thinking possibly Chris Wormley from Michigan. Now that Jonathan Hagan's is signed with the Colts, uh, the Giants do need to think about that next defensive tackle who can come in, disrupt the uh, def- disrupt the offense, uh, the offensive line. They, I think that Wormley could be there in the second round, and I think if the Giants got him, they would have a suitable replacement to Hankins. Uh, it was unfortunate that we weren't able to re-sign him. Now uh, defense tackle does become a big knee for us. I could see us taking Wormley at the second round. That's a that's a good pick. I think, yeah, again, with Jonathan Hankins you know, uh, not re-signing, we're signing with the Colts and not the Giants, of course. That leaves a, you know, a, big, a, big, a big hole for the Giants on the defensive line. So I think that pick's possible, but I, I think they're going to go. 
I think they're going to go tight end. There's uh, uh, the third best tight end in the draft. His name is Gerald Everett. He's out of South Alabama. You know, hasn't really gotten the recognition that guys from bigger schools like O.J. Howard or Njoku, um get. But um, I think this guy, I think he's a, you know, a late first rounder, really an early second round pick. You know, he's, he's again, he's he's a guy that can, you know, he can block and, and uh, you know, split out and, you know, run routes really as well as receivers. You know, he's 33. I mean, he's, he's got long arms. I think he's 33-inch long arms. And, you know, they gave him this, like, really, this really big catch radius. And, you know, he's not afraid to go over the middle, like most tight ends, obviously. Um, he gets he gets yards after the catch, you know, great acceleration. Uh, he's really just a, a really good route runner. Um, and, again, he needs more consistency uh, with running routes. But, again, I think he's, you know, that next best available tight end um, in the draft to go to. And I think uh, he's, I guess he's kind of the last one that can really make an impact, you know, like an O.J. Howard or David Njoker. I think those are the top three guys. and They're kind of in a class of their own. So I think they go with the tight end there. And David, who do you got in the third round? Who do you think the Giants are uh, are going to pick in the third round? All right, so this is absolutely this, this is a sleeper pick plus just pure insanity. I've been reading lately that Joe Mixon might not be drafted. I'm going to change that prediction and say he is going in the third round to the New York Football Giants. I am. Maybe 20% confident that could happen, but after reading multiple articles saying he might not even get drafted, and then 20% saying he might get drafted in the first, well, based on that rationale, me in the middle, third-round pick, Joe Mixon out of Oklahoma. It might happen. And truly uh, it's funny. <laughs> That's funny. I have his name down, too. My, you know, I, I think the Giants, I, I think they would go with, you know, maybe, if let's say if they go for Forrest Lamp, who's a guard in the first round, maybe – and then, you know, a tight end in the second round. I think they might go with a tackle in the third round. Maybe t- Taylor Martin out of Central Michigan, 6'5", 330 pounds. You know, a big guy, 5'2", 40 at 330. So he's very athletic, fast. Um, and that's probably the safe pick. But, again, I, I have written down here, Joe Mixon or Samadji Perrine, those two running backs from Oklahoma. I think one of the two, if not both of them, are going to be great NFL running backs. So I think that's an option. And also Wayne Gallman from Clemson. I wrote a, um, a scouting report on him for scout.com. He's he's a guy that's really been getting overlooked, but, you know, he's he's on Clemson the past couple of years, had great numbers. Deshaun Watson kind of, you know, took all the spotlight um, on that team, but, you know, he's a national champion, and he had highest in, like, numbers last year, but, of course, it's rare that, you know, two guys on the same team get invited to New York for the Heisman presentation. Um, and, David, just, I mean, we have a couple more minutes to spare, um, so just – you know, be quick with your thoughts here if you can. But, you know, if you, um, I think we should talk about Eli Manning a little bit in this whole, you know, accusation about him, uh, you know, basically giving false memorabilia to Steiner Sports for them to sell and saying that his game is when it's really not. Just what are your quick thoughts? I know, you know, we don't have a lot of time to expand on it, but just what are your initial thoughts and uh, about the whole situation? As someone who is an avid sports card memorabilia collector as well as game used and all that fun, I collect – if I had found out that Eli Manning, this, this something I bought from Steiner Sports, which is a very reputable place, was not game-worn, and I spent several thousands of dollars to buy a game-use air quotes helmet, I would be, I would be livid. The fans should be very upset with Eli Manning. This is, a, this is a serious issue. People spent their hard-earned money on something that you should have, quote-unquote, worn in a football game, 
and you straight up lie to your fans and to Steiner. That's just pure laziness on Eli Manning's part. Uh, Steiner Sports, I think the reputation now will be a little bit hurt. Uh, I personally will, would not buy from them now for at least a year or so. And it's upset. It's an upsetting thing. I'm not happy about it at all. Yeah, I, you know, again, I, I hope that these allegations are false and everything like that. I mean, they say there's, you know, email evidence, which, you know, doesn't really, you know, help Eli. But I kind of, I agree with you. I, I think sports memorabilia in that that whole market, if you will, is kind of not like shady, but you know, kind of, it's kind of a, a sticky kind of market. It's like it's, you know, it's weird. You got a lot of, you know, um, strange, strange, strange characters and things like that. But um, I think overall that if he did it, it's terrible. I mean, you know, he's got such a, a squeaky clean reputation that it would definitely hurt it. Um, I don't know really know what the penalties would be. I don't think, you know, it's not, he wouldn't go to jail over it. And I mean, I don't know if the Giants would suspend him or not, but it's, it's just not a good look. I mean, I understand athletes. It's so easy for them, you know, if they want to make a little extra money, all they have to do is sign something or make a public appearance. But, you know, you got to have some sort of in- integrity and, and, you know, just really not short side, you know, it's not, it's unfair to sign sports, it's unfair to the fans who paid, for, you know, this memorabilia and for it maybe not to be game-worn. Again, we don't know for sure yet, but those are at least the initial allegations. And, of course, there's going to be plenty of more information coming out in the next couple of days. But, David, that's going to do it for us. That's all the time we have for today. And just to remind everyone, the draft will take place next week from April 27th to 29th in Philadelphia. And uh, we'll be back after the conclusion of the draft sometime to break down everyone of Big Blue's picks and who we like and dislike as well. And if any of our predictions were right on point, hopefully they were, David. But until then, for David Blutstein, I'm Alex Evans, and you've been listening to the Giants Beat Podcast. Make sure to check out the Giants Beat on scout.com for the latest in any and all news about Big Blue. So long, and as always, go Giants.